progress. Look at us. Here we go. Here it is. It's good it's to, great see to see you. Oh man, feels so good. Good to be seen. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah, dude. There's a lot, lot uh, looming right now. We're. I just saw a post yesterday. T minus 100 days until the Iditarod start. That seems wow. pretty close. T minus 100 days, man. When you put it that way, it just sounds sounds like it's right around the corner. I know I would, I, that, that would, if I'm, if I was in the race, I'd be feeling a slight, some slight panic, just like, Oh, wow. We, uh, time to buckle down. Cause right now is, I mean, everybody is, if you look at people that are competitive competing in this race to try and win it, you know, they're entered into the peak training of their season. You know, it starts now through January for some people. I, I know that, you know, there's, Brent Sass right now is out on the Denali Highway um, doing a camping trip with his dogs. He's he's already been running full length runs, 50 to 60 miles at a time. I'm, you know, based on what I'm seeing on his social media. So he's he's deep into uh, the peak training. And you see there's a lot of people that are out there training um, on that highway. And, and if you don't have good snow conditions and you're in your neighborhood, whether it's you living in Fairbanks and Two Rivers or you live down in Willow, the mushing capital of the world, Willow, Alaska, you know, a lot of those guys just go down to the Denali Highway where there's a bunch of snow and great winter conditions, easy on the dog's feet and a lot of miles. You know, it's a 70 mile trail to uh, Alpine Creek Lodge and uh, you can go out there and get a burger and sleep in a bed, camp your dog team and, and then go back to to your home and, and and run it back so um yeah this is this is uh you know a huge part of what the success for uh for your mushing season is going to be is, is what you're doing right now when no one's watching nobody's no, no there's no crowds there's no tracker on your sled there's no um you know you're just getting up and you're putting in the work and you're with your dogs and and there's, there's no way around it. Nice. Nice. So, you know, and, and I guess at this point, it's pretty dark there throughout, throughout the uh, days or there's minimal sun or where are we at in the season with that? Yeah, I am living in Alaska's biggest city, Anchorage, and um, the darkest uh, day of the year is December 21st. That day in Anchorage is about um, four and a half hours of light and 19 and a half hours of dark. Whereas in June 21st, it would be 19 and a half hours of sunshine and four and a half hours of dark in quotation marks because it's still pretty light out during the night at that time. Um, but as you go farther north, up to all the way up to Fairbanks, which is over 300 miles north of me, you're looking at three and a half hours of light and 21 and a half and a half hours of darkness. So a lot of, a lot of time, this time of year, you, you know, that, that's what I, I loved about Iditarod is you got like 12 to 15 hours of daylight. So yes, you're mushing through the night, but you're also mushing through the daytime. Uh, but the, the peak training when you're getting the most miles on your dogs and is going to be at the darkest time of the year, it's, you, you know, in that December, January time when uh, you better make sure you got plenty of batteries for your headlamp. 
Yeah. Yeah. I would just imagine. So it's, it's now getting into uh, like starting to get consistently cold and colder and colder. Right. I mean, obviously in Anchorage, it's probably a little bit warmer, but I would imagine in general, it's, it's what, like 20s, 30s at this um, point or? Um, yeah. I, yesterday I woke up, it was six degrees. So if it's six here, you know, you go up to Talkeaton Ta and Willow. Uh, my buddy, Matt Paveglio, he uh, was out there. His daughter's running the junior. I did a ride and uh, he's just got these pictures of him mush. And he's just got eyelashes caked in eyes and his, you know, just like white face. And he's, it looks, it looked cold. It looked like it's probably in the swamps of Willow, like below zero. You know, um, when I remember talking to Dallas about Willow, I'm like, dude, it doesn't even get that cold there. And he was like, well, that's what you're seeing on the weather radar, but they don't have thermometers in the bottom of the swamps of Willow where it's, if it says five below, it's probably 30 below down at the bottom. So um, that cold air just sits in the lowest elevations and the bottom of valleys and swamps and you feel it just slap you right in the face when you, when you get down there. Mm. Boy, oh boy. So yeah, you got the, you're competing against the weather. Now you're in the darkest time of the year. You're a hundred days out from the race. This is definitely like a big oh shit moment if you haven't already like put things in the high gear pretty much, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and then you got, you know, people that are right now, it's uh, when we're recording this, we have two days left until the final sign up. And well, it's not technically the final sign-up. So uh, the registration fee for the Idea Rod is $4,000. And if you don't sign up uh, by November 30th, uh, you can still sign up after that date, but it'll increase your fee to $8,000. So you see, most of the people are, that are signed up will be um, signed up by November 30th. And then there's some people that can afford that extra four grand. Maybe they might end up signing up last minute i'm not sure what that date is i think it's like late december early january something like that um it's bef before all the big mid-distance races but uh, it's also the november 30th is a key date because it's the last date to get your money back if you did sign up so you might see a couple of withdrawals you've we've already seen a few and uh but you know what the what the Iditarod community has been putting out is that we're going to see a couple more names. I think I think right now we're at thirty names, and uh, we might see a few more added to the group. So it, it's pretty exciting. Nice, yeah. So I'm seeing twenty nine here, and so that means that like the two that withdrew, they they were able to get their money back because it's before the thirtieth, essentially. Mm. Yep. Nice. Yeah, right thirty, pretty low number. You know, I don't know when the last year it was under 30, 29, sorry. Um, and, you know, I think it's a big part of it is, look, let's look at the Cusco 300. This is uh, the biggest person mushing per mile in the world. So you got a 300-mile race. I think first place makes, I want to say $25,000. Well, you train for train your dogs for a 300 mile race is a little different than training them for a thousand. So uh, it takes less miles, less days, less calories for them to burn and less calories for you to feed them. It's just cheaper, easier. 
and um, you get the same amount of money and it costs less money to pay to, you know, you don't, it's not $4,000 to run that race. Uh, you do, however, have to fly your dogs out to Southwest Alaska, but um, it's cheaper and you can get your money back. And I mean, even the 10th place team in that race is still making plenty, like plenty of money to cover the costs of the race. So you see a lot of these top mushers, Pete Kaiser, your Olsen, two former champions that have been in the Iditarod for a slew of years in a row that aren't running it this year. Um, and I think, you know, firstly, your, you know, he had a little baby. So that's a, that's a good reason. But uh, Pete Kaiser, you know, he's out there in Bethel. It's a pain in the butt for him to get him and his dogs all the way to Anchorage. Got He's got to fly down to Anchorage. Well, he can just train his dogs down in Bethel, Southwest Alaska. And then the race is coming to him. So, you know, he can win his 25 grand right in his own backyard. There's no reason for someone like him to, uh, you know, go and get all that money and to go run it or spend all that money to run a thousand mile race. Uh, when, you know, he could just take the path of least resistance and kick it at home for a year and have, and enjoy some more quality time with his family. Cause when you're training for the ride, did around, you know, family kind of, you know, I've, it's, it's going to be hard to have the time to make some, family memories you end up out on the trail with their dogs and alone <laughs> for hundreds of hours sure that makes sense so yeah you know looking at the list there's 29 people there are quite a few you know notable missing people you know if you look at you know the abusers the dallas mitch we've got uh Varner's out, Kaiser's out, awesome. Literally the last 11 winners are out except for Brent Sass. It's going to be an interesting time to see, you know, who who is going to step up and challenge um who's going to challenge Brent, you know, and and I've got a list here of some notable non-winners. I'm curious to to see where some of these maybe uh, stand out to you as some possible non-winners that could win. Um, all right, so we've got got to throw out Ryan Reddington, uh, Richie Deal, Mil Mila Persild, Matt Failer, uh, Jesse Holmes, uh, Nick Petit. Is this a year maybe possibly the Barringtons make a a a run for for gold? Um, you know, interesting to see Wade Mars with the late entry here late, lately, Kelly Maxner, any of these names kind of stand out to you as someone that could challenge Brent's ass? I mean, have... of, one, one of those names will finish in probably second, let's be honest, but that's pretty damn good. You know, second place gets you a lot of, uh, a lot of street cred in, in that, in those, in that world. Um, yeah, I mean, Brent's clearly the uh, the. I mean, he's he's the guy. Uh, he's he's got his dogs are an incredible, just raw talent, super experienced, veteran. I mean, they just have this like you can see the confidence in the dogs. You know, something happens to a dog team when they travel a thousand miles across Alaska. Uh, that just they this confidence that you you don't see in, in any other kind of team and he did it you know 
pretty impressive fashion last year. Uh, so look, I think these everyone else has a shot. Um, a lot of times Brent gets out pretty far in front and it can be great some years. That's good. But other years, you know, you get a lot of snow, some warm temperatures, the trails slow. Um, that's when being out in front can be uh, slower than being kind of united with the rest of the pack. Um, look, you've, there's, you touched on a lot there, so I'm trying to keep it all in mind. But I want to at least say that Martin Boozer not running the race is such a big deal that and I don't I feel like it hasn't really been recognized this guy just finished I I don't know the exact number but it's like 37 straight I did or I finished 37 straight like nobody I don't think I mean Jeff ran I think 30 I did or odds he but he scratched a few times that's just what happens uh you know Dee Dee Genro ran 33 I did or odds but she scratched a few times too uh, you know, you run this race, something happens to you and you end up having to call it quits early. And, you know, that's just impressive that he's been able to 37 of 37 times get it to the finish line. And, you know, I've, I remember following his race a few times where he would try to get competitive in there, but he would see his, Hey, you know, I don't think my dogs and what, for whatever reason, if it's the conditions or the training they went up through that year or, what but he just is like hey i'm i can't win this year that's fine i'm gonna hang out you've seen him do it a bunch of times where he just spends 24 hours at a checkpoint after already taking his 24-hour break i've even seen him spend in 30 40 hours at a checkpoint uh, so he, he'll go into a checkpoint in 10th place and he'll leave in 40th place and be totally fine to just get out there on the trail with the dogs and forget about racing because for most people in this race it's not really a race it's it's a expedition that you you know want you don't need to finish in first place you just want to en enjoy the trail with the dogs so that's boozer now you got all these guys that have a shot look the barrington twins they have been now in the top 20 they've they've expressed that they do want to be more competitive in the race you know i i, I can only see them continuing to get finished higher this year uh i don't i don't they always stick together out there in the race so you know um that's a great thing to have but it also can sometimes you have one dog team that's faster than the other so you're going to only be as fast as that slowest dog team between those two twins uh matt failure i think he's finished his highest is 14th i want to say and um look he's he won the cusco 300 i mean that is an insane stat. So he's he's clearly got uh, the dog driving abilities and the dog talent. All of his dogs are from Boozer's Kennel and other kennels as well. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that if he can string it together, um, he, he has a great staff. His wife, Liz, helps. Uh, she's an awesome analyst on the Iditarod Trail, by the way. And he's uh, got a couple of experienced handlers. So I, I think... Uh, He's got a good shot at getting that crack in that top 10. And then, of course, Wade Mars. This guy's finished fourth. He's uh, He is training his now, right now, in Wisconsin, I believe. He moved to Wisconsin. Yeah, he also just had, um, with his wife, a kid. And so he went to go move uh, with it closer to his in-laws to get that support. 
and uh, you still got some maybe it's not Wisconsin it's one of those states near the Great Lakes I can't remember but he's down there training he's coming up here uh first year back in one or two years this guy is you know he's going to be out front uh early on and he's probably going to stay there so I, I think he's a lock for top five um and and then let's see who else we got he's out of Wisconsin for the record I did. Oh, yeah, I was right. All right. So, Salon Springs. Is that how I'm saying? S-O-L-O-N? Salon Springs? Wisconsin, dude. I don't know. Salon Springs, Wisconsin. Yeah, and then uh, who else we got? What, what some of those? Give me a couple of other names. So, you know, I think Ryan Reddington has made Ooh, a strong yeah. push over the last few years here. I mean, he's always made a strong push, but uh, notably the last few years stand out to me. Um, I also didn't say it, but it's on my list here. Matt Hall could be mm. up there. Um, a Jesse Holmes. Yeah. Um, all right. Know. All right. Let's stop you there before I start. I'm bite. I'm chomping at the bits. All right. So first name was. Ryan Reddington. Ryan Reddington. Dude, Ryan has had a career of always getting out there in front early. Uh, in the first half of his career, it seemed like uh, he would get out in front and then he'd kind of just have to either end his race because it's a little too aggressive of a run uh, running strategy or he'd end up just falling back to 30, 40th place. And now you see a consistency in the last two or three maybe years that he's been top five, top 10. And uh, you can see he's he's got that experience of having run this race so many times that he has kind of seemed to find that sweet spot. So I, I think uh, that's another guy you know for a fact he's going to be up front early on. Can he stay up there? Then you got Matt Hoff, 2017 UConn Quest champion. Um, you know who was in the lead of that race before Matt Hall won? Brent Sass. Brent Sass, yeah. Uh, so, you know, you can see a repeat of that situation where Brent Sass gets out in front and, um, for whatever reason, tough trails or uh, uh, that he has to back off, back off for and uh, back off, you know, his first place schedule. Might see Matt Hall ready to jump at it, but he hasn't he, had a competitive Iditarod. You know, when, I think he's been in the top 20, but I don't think he's cracked top 15. Maybe, maybe he has, but, um, you know, you could, this could be a shot to crack the top 10, but he would definitely be under the, like super dark horse, I would say. Uh, and um, and then lastly, you said. Uh, Let's see, we could go with either Jesse Holmes. I would throw Jesse out Holmes, Travis Beals as well. What, what's that? Travis Beals. So Jesse, Holmes, Jesse Holmes is going to be one of those guys. Firstly, dude, Jesse's such a cool dude. Us being from Georgia, he's from Alabama. We, we love Jesse. He's. He's uh sometimes he's he's uh gosh, you know, you see a lot of mushers that can be like their own worst enemy. So sometimes, you know, you see him finish seventh place as a rookie, I did a rod, and then he followed by, you know, 30 something place. Um, so you don't know what version of him you're gonna get, what version of his dogs, you know. Uh you can have you can be ready to execute a perfect race, but ultimately you can only run the schedule that your dogs can run. So, you know, even if he's I just, ready. 
I just have to say, though, like, I'm, I'm impressed. The last three years, we're looking at 29th place, 21 15th place, and 22 third place, right? And yep. I just feel like uh, the message that what I was hearing out of him while watching those videos of him out on the uh, Iditarod Trail last year, he just seemed to mentally be in a really good place. So, I don't know. I think for me, he – he stands out as someone that could take advantage of, of a field that doesn't have the traditional champions that we're used to seeing in it. Um, 100%. Let, me, let me ask about uh, Travis Beals. Um, mm-hmm. He's, he's a name that I feel like we see there at the top throughout the race. Um, again, hasn't won it, but any thoughts on him? Yeah. Him and Wade Mars are, uh, they're homies. They're best buddies. Uh, you see them training together a lot. And, um, you know, they both finished top five. Uh, I'm, I'd be interested to see if you see them out there on the trail together at some point. Um, I'm, they're probably just drinking coffee together and, and talking dogs. But, yeah, I mean, Travis has the dog talent, has the musher talent. Um, you know, you, you see he's going to be probably fairly aggressive early on. Again, another you got these list of aggressive mushers that aren't going to hold back in the first 300 miles, but you know, a couple of them are going to stay up front and you know, a couple of them aren't right. So that's the question is who's going to start out front and actually be able to keep that pace, you know, and those mushers are going to be Nick Petit, Wade Mars, Travis Beals, Jesse Holmes. Um, and then you got Brent Sass. And Brent Sass, of course. And right. And then you have, Someone, I mean, there's people that you you know maybe are going to take it easy early on and make that late push to rejoin the front. You know, I could see Matt Hall being one of those people. Um, you know, Pete Kaiser used to be, he was one of those guys that would do that. You know, that's how, uh, and then uh, Richie Deal, um, he's not in the race this year, right? And, you know, those who's going to take the roles of those guys that, you know, run that are in the top 10, top 15 during the middle of the race. And then you see them pretty regularly pushing towards the front on the coast where everyone else's dogs might be running a mile and a mile an hour slower. You see these dogs keep that speed that they start with, right? Who's going to be that musher? So what about, uh, you know, maybe you have analyzed her strategy a little bit more than I have, but would, would uh, Mila Persield, would she be someone that would be categorized as someone who kind of, uh, you know, takes a little bit easier in the initial stage and then can yes. make that secondary push? Dude, I knew I was forgetting a key name, bro. You got it. Yeah. The, she, she is, she's completely like totally blacked out from the race for like the first three, four, five days. And then she just like shows up at checkpoint. She's like, huh? Where am what oh, I'm in third place. I didn't even know. Like she just is camping out, uh, completely disconnected from the com- competitive aspects of the race. And it makes her one of the most competitive mushers in the in the entire race because she's running her dog team. She's not uh not to imply that everybody else is checking each other's schedules, but like a lot of them have a very good idea of what the the mushers in front and behind them are doing. Whereas Mila knows that, hey, if I can get to this checkpoint by this day, 
right in this schedule, I'm going to be in the hunt. We'll see. I don't know if I'll be in seventh place or if I'll be in third place or 11th place. And she's going to, so, you know, and she's what she's run two or three Iditarods and every single time totally crushed it. So I expect nothing less from her. And, you know, she's another person that I could, I could see her finishing top three. Nice. Okay. So I guess one other thing that I'm thinking about is, um, you know, you said two days from now is the deadline for before it is doubled in price to enter. Do you, you do have any thoughts on uh, anyone that is notable who hasn't signed up yet that would be kind of an interesting sign up or also kind of like a side question to that is, are there any are there any of the traditional names we're used to seeing that aren't running that maybe have someone entered running their dogs or part of their team. Yeah. So I think that as far as like the perennial participants that are not signed up, they're probably not going to sign up. Uh, I don't think you're going to see Boozer signing up or King or um, CV Kaiser's. Uh, Dallas CV, Mitch CV, your all those guys. I think it's pretty clear they're they're not going to be running this race. Um, but let's talk about jockeys. Look, people sometimes kind of shit on the folks that are the you know jockey musher that they don't own the dogs. Um, they kind of come in and they uh, start to work with the dogs uh, and during the peak training of the year. But look, if you you see someone like Kelly Maxner, uh, someone like Christian Turner. Um, it's interesting. You know, I think Kelly, I think he's participated in seven Iditarods. He's finished top 15 on multiple occasions. Um, you know, he's, I, I saw, I, I've, I ran, I saw him run a marathon th this summer, you know, and I just like randomly showed up and he's at the start line, just like quietly running 26 plus miles. You know, the guy is, uh, got five little munchkins that are crazy he can i feel like he just can handle anything and he's got a um uh, he's a really really good dude and, and he's clearly got the talent and obviously has the dogs to do a, uh to have a top 10 race you know i think that he's uh someone i would bet on that maybe is surprising you know if you're, you're doing fantasy mushing and you're thinking who can you get for a low price it would be someone like Kelly who is uh maybe not an obvious top 10 musher but I think he could be in there and then Christian and who, Turner he's finished top who's, 15. whose dogs are, are Kelly running Kelly sorry he's running Dallas's dogs oh okay I didn't okay I didn't realize that okay understood and him and Dallas so. are buddies and um so this isn't the first time that he I think the, the, the last time you saw Kelly in the race he was also running Dallas's dogs uh, okay. And then you see Christian Turner on Mitch Sheevy's dogs. Um, you know, M Mitch on Facebook, he said that uh, he is excited for Christian because Christian's going to attempt to have a competitive race. Uh, he has finished top 15 in the past. Christian uh, lives in Australia. He ran Dallas Sheevy's team two times. One of those times finished in the, at least the top 20, if not top 15. And um, look, you know, he's... Clearly, he's done it before, but I also got to say, you know, he's been living in Australia for a few years, so I don't know how much mushing's happening down there, but 
uh, probably not a whole lot of Iditarod level uh, sled dogging happen in Australia. So um, not to say that he can't pull it off, but it does feel like an uphill battle to come, fly over to Alaska, having you know not been training sled dogs for the last few winters and you know hop in with this team which he's going to inevitably be training at some point in the year you know he'll get he's not going to just show up to the start line having not knowing every single dog's name every single dog's you know health history and um strengths and weaknesses you know he's going to know all that information at the start line but look you know you have to be he's going to be at a disadvantage you know when you have someone who like Brent who's been with every single one of his dogs since they were this big which if you're not watching a video since they were literally born and then you got you know someone like Christian and Kelly who have been with the dogs you know for a few months so that's just a dis I think like anyway you're right it's a disadvantage doesn't mean that they can't beat Brent just means it's less likely, but it's still possible. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, so Christian Turner is not one that they've actually officially announced. So that would make the, the field 30. And uh, so I get, I would assume that we'll hear that in the next few days. And, um, and then, uh, you know, like, does someone like, like, for example, Burmeister, Aaron, he did his last one last year. Is there anyone running his team? Does yeah. does, does Allie keep dogs that people mm -hmm. keep uh, to use at all or anything like that? Yeah, uh, Allie, she retired a couple years ago. She's, to my knowledge, doesn't um, have – she might – maybe she'll, like, you know, lend a dog, one dog to somebody's team or something or two dogs to somebody's team that she's a friend of. Um, but she's not, uh, to my knowledge, she's just having fun with her dogs and not and, and enjoying her time with her husband and and uh, living, enjoying the post mushing career. She gave everything to this sport. And uh, I think, uh, you know, she's pretty much done everything you can do. And and so she's she's content to be retired. Uh, and then you've got what was the first person you said? Aaron Burmeister. Burm Burmy. Uh, I don't call him Burmy to his face, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll, uh, Aaron is such a fun, uh, you know, if you watch the Iditarod documentaries, every single one, he, he's got arguably the most time ever. Um, from what I've seen, he seems to have recorded the most interview minutes for the Iditarod at those Iditarod documentaries. Why? Because the man is pretty well spoken he's he's get he's he's out there completely sleep deprived just forming fully coherent sentences and he's talking talking some shit with the mushers you know, like he always uh it, it was it's, it's just so fun to see them kind of through throw a few jabs and i'm really gonna miss him being in the race and saying you know talk talking that uh the competitive game you know it's it's you see it in the nfl and you see it in the nba and you certainly see it in mushing and man, you know, the heyday of mushing, I, I haven't been around the sport as long, but gosh, I would have loved to be, you know, this age in 2003, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and see all that. I've seen the videos, you know, but you know, that doesn't fully engulf it to see that smack talk between Jeff King, Lance Mackey, and Doug, uh, and uh, what's his face, Martin, and Boozer, um, 
and Doug Swingley and that dude, that was what an era that, that was. And uh, you, I want to see some of that smack talk, but, you know, hopefully we get a little bit of it. Um, Nick Petit is definitely the guy that will be doing that. Uh, if, if anybody, uh, I lost my train of thought completely. What was the original thing we were talking about? Uh, we were just oh, talking somebody's about dogs. dogs. Yeah. Okay. So Aaron Burmeister's dogs are getting run by Eddie something. I can't remember his last name, but he's a cool dude. Eddie he actually, Burke. Eddie Burke. Yep. He, uh, he's, so he's been Aaron Burmeister's right hand man for a number of years. He's, uh, had a, pretty... I just got to throw this out there with Eddie Burke. Okay. Killer picture online, man. He's got <laughs> a killer, killer party in the back going, baby. Yeah, dude. And, got uh, some... My guy, Eddie, if you're hearing this, props to you, man. Props to you. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, that guy is a hard worker. He's literally him. Uh, and then Tony Browning have, they've been, Tony Browning and Aaron Burmeister have been Batman and Robin for, so many years um and i to my knowledge eddie's out there training his team completely by himself in the nana uh lives in anchorage and spends a lot of the winter up in the nana training his dog team look he's he's one of those guys he's a rookie i think he's a good candidate for rookie of the year um so uh you know he has an incredible dog team He's ran a competitive mid-distance races before and finished pretty high. So I like I, I, I like him for a uh, potential rookie of the year candidate. Yeah, and that's actually a, a good little, I guess we can kind of uh, leave that for the next episode. But I think we should maybe look a little bit deeper at the uh, rookies and see what we know about about them and who who else might be a good um a good candidate to to consider uh as as a rookie of the year um you know eddie sounds like you think is the favorite but maybe we can break that down a little bit more it looks like there's about eight or nine of them in the race so um that would be kind of another fun breakdown for the next one if you want to do that yeah absolutely i just i can't even list I, I don't even think I could name it. I, I know one other rookie off the top of my head. So yeah, well, I, I'd be interested to look look through those and and see what what we uh, find out about these guys. And yeah, I am super stoked for talking dog. It's just fun to talk some shit about the the I did a ride and about these mushers. And this has been a, a pretty fun little um, teaser here for for the season and you know we're going to get together regularly and continue to you know talk about all the updates and new storylines and mushing so you know our goal is not to um just talk about mushing for just the Iditarod right that's just a few weeks you're going to see a lot of media showing up um in February but uh we are going to continue to uh consistently um, be talking dogs starting you know, in November and making it, uh, through March. So, you know, I, it's, I'm really excited about it and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we're, we'll, hopefully we'll continue to get better and better at what we're, we're doing. So this is, this is a good starting point though. Definitely. So, yeah. Um, just kind of looking down the pipes, what are the next, what's the next race that we're going to kind of maybe, uh, 
break down a little bit what's uh yeah. what's on the this, what's on the docket this one's uh the, the first race of the year every year isn't really a race it is called a race but it is the alpine creek excursion and it, i talked about the denali highway full circle at the beginning of this episode and uh people it's a it's a 62 mile race or maybe it's a 60 yeah something that something like that so it's just one dog run and I think the winner makes like 500 bucks or something. Um, and uh, basically you run one way to this lodge and then everybody takes, lets their team take a nice long rest because it's early in the year and you haven't really ran. Some people haven't ran their dogs that far yet. So you'll even see a lot of those mushers break up that 62 mile run into two 31 mile runs because they're not trying to win. Uh, they just want to get their dogs out, get be around other dog teams, work on the passing and the excitement before a race and get the heebie-jeebies out of their system, see how, you know, see who's who in their team, kind of their first test. And then you get to the lodge, you start cranking back Bud Lights with the boys, you know, and the female mushers as well, and uh, have a good time, eat a bunch of food, and then you mush back to your car but it's not part of the race, right? You still got to get your dog team back because it's a one-way, um, one-way race. So it's it's not very well covered. It's it's a, out in the middle of nowhere. They do have some social media websites, but I'll have to just kind of through some social media of my mushing friends and maybe the Alpine Creek excursion. They'll have some posts and stuff. So it's it's kind of hard to follow um, because they don't have like a big website or anything yeah i was just actually doing a quick search and seeing that uh pretty much leads you to facebook so yeah that'll be a an interesting uh race to break down that's two weekends from now so that'll be uh that'll will be the first little exciting thing to kind of talk to you guys about but uh yeah i think that uh i think that we're in a good place for this first episode and uh I don't know. We don't have like some official sign off or anything. You, you, you got anything up your sleeve here? Or what you got? Mute, mute city, bro. You're on mute. Gosh, yeah. I don't. I don't have a clever sign <laughs> sign up sign off that wouldn't invi- involve some kind of copywriting. Um, but you know, you could say something along like something. This is Brendan with Channel Three Action News. Back to you. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. Bye for now, guys. Peace.